This week's parsha is Parsha Svayakel Pekudei. In Parsha Svayakel, we find about the tzivoy of the kiar. The pasuk says, "Vayas es hakiar nechayshes veskani nechayshes b'mareis hatzayvos asher tzavu pesach el mayeg." That the kiar, the basin. Uh, from which the Kayin Gadol and the Kayhanim would wash their hands and their feet before they did the Avedah, it was made from mirrors. The Apostle calls it Mares Hatsevis, the mirrors of the masses, of the legions. And Rashi explains that where did these mirrors come from? The Jewish girls the Bnei Sisral, they had these mirrors that they would use to look at themselves, their reflection in these mirrors when they were putting on their makeup. And in great tribute to the Bnei Sisral, you know, women, they like looking in the mirror and they like making themselves look nice with a mirror. And even that, they didn't refrain from dedicating to the Mishkan. That was a tremendous Milo of Yisrael, that they were able to even give up something so personal and so vital to their beauty. They're willing to dedicate that as well when they're building the Mishkan. And you'd think that that's a beautiful thing, that they were able to do that, and it should have been accepted with great with great relish. But yet we find that Moshe Rabbeinu says, Rashi, Moshe was ma'os. He was disgusted by these mirrors. He felt that they should not be accepted for the Hakamas HaMishkan, for the Binyin HaMishkan. Because since the whole purpose of these mirrors were in order to look at themselves and to beautify themselves and to be ma'erer ta'ivas, so doesn't pass that they should use these mirrors in the making of the Mishkan. How do you use a tool of the Sahara and bring that into the Makam Mishkan, into the Klea Mishkan? It seems sacrilege. It seems something that's wrong. And Meshur Abenu, not only did he feel it wasn't acceptable, he was disgusted by the very notion, very strong lotion that Rashi uses. Amr <coughs> But the Rabbeinu Shalom responds to Meishu Rabbeinu's disgust. Kabel, accept these mirrors. Ki elu chavivin alai minakol. Because these mirrors are more cherished by me than everything else in the Mishkan. Shal yideyem hemidu hanoshim tzvois rabes b'mitzrayim. Because through these mirrors... The women were able to spread and to produce many, many, many legions of Klal Yisrael. That's why it's called the Mares Atzavos. These were not just some mirrors. These were mirrors that produced Klal Yisrael. Why were these mirrors that produced Klal Yisrael? And Rashi goes on, he's very marich. He says that when we were in Mitzrayim and the husbands were very busy and schwitzing in the Abedah Terech, in all the terrible Abedah that was put upon them by the Mitzrim, all the servitude. 
They had no cheshek to come home and to have a family and to produce children. And the women understood that there was a necessity for the continuity of Kal Yisrael. You can't just stop and let the nation stop. And so they would cook for them, for their husbands that were so tired, and they would give to drink. And then they would pull out these mirrors, and they would use these mirrors to entice their husbands so that Klal Yisrael could have a continuity. And to this the Rabbi Shalom says that this is this is the most beautiful thing that I ever saw. And Rashi continues, we're not going to quote the entire Rashi, but it's a fascinating story and narrative that Rashi brings. It's rare, Rabbi said, that we find such a disparity in a machlaikis. Normally, you know, you have a machlaikis, and the machlaikis is sort of on the same page, just with a minor difference. That you have such a reaction, that Moshe Rabbeinu's visceral reaction to these mirrors were one of utter contempt. He was mayes bahem. He felt it was the tool of the Sahara. And the Rabbi Yishalom says, no, you're right, but it's okay, accept it. That's not what happened. The Rabbi Yishalom took the opposite, the polar opposite extreme. As Moshe Rabbeinu's reaction was so negative, the counterpart reaction of the Rabbi Yishalom was so positive. He says these were chaviv and alay More than all of the kesef and the zav and the tchelas and the argaman, I love these mirrors. I'm not disgusted by these mirrors. These mirrors are to me the most precious possession of all. And so this needs explanation. What exactly was Moshe Rabbeinu thinking and what was the Rabbeinu Shalom's reasoning showing him how wrong he was with his reaction to these Maris Hatsaivas? We know that in life the Rabbeinu Shalom created every single human being with a guf and with a neshama. And the way that the Bali Musar, I think, generally view these, these two objects, these two beings of a guf and a neshama, is that they are really opposites. There is a guf, and the guf represents Elam Haza, the guf represents a Yetzahara, the, the guf represents Chaymer, material, Gashmi, Afar, Chumrius, all of these things that we so relate when we're speaking about the Eight Sahara, that's the Guf. The Guf is, the Guf is the embodiment of Taiva. Why do we have Taivas? We have Taivas because the flesh, the eyes, the heart, the ears, the eyes, everything is so seeking pleasure. The body seeks pleasure. The body seeks to do what it wants. That's on one end of the spectrum. That's the Yetzirah. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have the Yetzirah Taiv. That's embodied by the Neshama. The Neshama is a Chelek al-Kamimah. It's godly. It's divine. It's the human conscience. It's the ability to do the right thing. Even when the guf is yanking you in one direction... 
the neshama is supposed to pull us back in the right direction. And there's always this tug of war. And so if you'd have, if it would be color war, and there'd be the the red team versus the blue team, so the guf would be the red team, and the neshama would be the blue team, and that would be the the lines of demarcation between the guf and the neshama. One is good, one is bad, one is pure, one is corrupt, one tries to get us to do bad, and one tries to get us to do good. But there are two opposites that are forced, nebuch, to coexist in one body, and that's the struggle of the human being. A human being has to somehow, some way, make peace between the body and the and the neshama, and hopefully we'll get into Elam Haba with the two together. And that's the way Meshur Abeno saw it. And looking at it from this perspective, it's very understandable why Meshur Abeno will be disgusted by the mirrors that the women dedicated. Because what is a mirror? A mirror is something that's designed for the guf. A mirror is designed for something when a person wants to look at themselves. When a person wants to admire their beauty. When a person wants to be vain, what do they do? They look in the mirror all day. They're always, every time they pass by a car, they look at themselves in the reflection. Every time they go into the bathroom and they stare at themselves in the mirror for another few minutes, when they wake up in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, a mirror is nothing more than the Sahara's tool to allow you to believe that the goof is so important, that beauty is so important, that the physical nature of man is really what's vital. And that's the tool of the Sahara. That's not a tool of the Yitzhah It's pure Yitzhah Look at your goof and to be impressed and to have the Sahara whisper in your ear, you're good looking, use your beauty, go and fulfill Tivus. All of these things, that's the tool of the Sahara. It's not a place. There's no nefesh in the mirror. And so to use these mirrors, to use the vehicle of the Sahara himself, to use such a, va- a vain instrument in the Mishkan, in the Makkam of Asherah Sashchinah, Moshe Rabbeinu felt, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. That's sacrilege. You can't do that. You can't bring the Eitzahara's tool right into the Mishkan. And I believe that the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu had such a perspective is because Moshe Rabbeinu really embodied this belief. Moshe Rabbeinu really he almost had no guf. He was so kaddish. He was so tar. He went up to Shamayim for 40 days and 40 nights to get the Taira. When he came down, it was Kikaran Arpanav. What does that mean? His face was a glow. Which what it means is, is that the neshama inside of him sort of took over his body. And his body was really nothing more than just an, an empty shell to hold the Kedushas HaNeshama he was perish Isha. He didn't want Taivas. He didn't need Taivas. He didn't have any Yetzahara. He was all Nefesh. He was all Neshama. And his Neshama permeated his guf. He was a Malach. 
And so it's understandable how Moshe Rabbeinu would look with utter disdain at a mirror because he had no goof. He was pure neshama. That's how a human being in his mind was supposed to look. There's a great Misa that's told about Reb Nassim Tzvi Finkel's Lebracha, the Mira Shiva. If anyone ever learned in the mirror or anyone ever saw him speak, give a shear, or just speak to him privately, you had to cringe while you were looking at him because he had Parkinson's and such a severe case and they say he didn't take medication for it because he was afraid that it would affect his learning. But he was complete, it was like impossible for him to stand still and he, just to turn a page was a whole endeavor. And Reb Nassim Svi once, he, many times he would go to America and throughout the world collecting money for the yeshiva or being machazic people. And I think once he went on an airplane together with Rav Steinemann, I think they came to America on some mission of, of some sort. And Rav Steinemann got a chance to see Rav Nassim Svi. I don't know how much they had to do with each other in general. Rav Nassim Svi was in Yerushalayim and Rav Steinemann is Eretz Yisrael. Yibadol Chaim is, is in Bnei Brak. But he saw up close and personal Rav Nassim Svi and his, his terrible physical situation. And Rav Steinemann said after this trip that the term he was Meiser Nefesh for doing something. You know, we always use those terms. Oh, Mamish, he's a, he was Meiser Nefesh. It was pure Mesiris Nefesh that he did this, he did that. When we speak about Kedayim, when we speak about some people, if they did something tremendous, if they went, you know, if they went to the hospital to visit somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning and they really, oh, oh he was Mamish Meiser Nefesh. Rav Steinemann said that that's really a misuse of the term. Because that's not a Mesiris Nefesh. That's a mysterious haguf. You deprived yourself of sleep. You deprived yourself of eating. You deprived yourself of vacation time for doing something. That's called mysterious but that's mysterious haguf. That's just a deprivation of the physical. He says when you see Rabnas and Svi, Rabnas and Svi had no guf. He had no guf. What did he have for a guf? He had a, he had a broken body that was unable to turn a page of a sefer, that was unable to walk, that was unable to talk regularly, that was unable to do what we take for granted. He didn't have that. He didn't have a goof. His whole mitzvah, his whole mahus, was a nefesh. So when he goes to America to fundraise or to be mechazic people, on Reb Svi, says Reb Steinman, you could say literally that he was Meiser Nefesh. He had no guf. There's no guf to give up. He had no pleasures in life. He couldn't function physically. It was all Nefesh. He was a true Meiser Nefesh. And that's how I look at Meiser Rabbeinu. Meiser Rabbeinu, he had no guf. He had a guf, but he had no guf. It wasn't a body. It wasn't. The, he had no interest in Ayom He went up to Shamayim. He saw the. He saw the Kisei He saw the Malachim. He didn't eat. He didn't sleep for forty days and forty nights. He was perished Naisha. 
He was all nefesh. He was karan arpanov. He was pure nefesh. And so when Moshe Rabbeinu looks at these maras at says, ah, how do you bring such a thing into the makamah mikdash? How do you bring, not only bring it in, but you're using it as a clee. You're forming, you're fashioning a kiar out of these mirrors. Feh! How do you do that? How do you bring a tool of the Yetzirah, physical embodiment of beauty, of vanity, a mirror? That's what you're using. That was Maishra Abeno's disbelief or refusal to accept these mirrors because it represents the guf. The, the guf is the enemy of the, of the Yetzirah Taib, of the, of the Nefesh, of the Shechina, of the Ashras HaShechina, which is supposed to be in the Mishkan. How do you use that? And to that, the Rabbi Yisham says, Maishu Rabbeinu, you're making a terrible mistake. Like Nitna, the Torah was not given to Malachim. You might be a Malach. You might be on this Madrega of Nefesh. But you have to understand, most people are not like you. Most people have a Guf. And they have Taivas. And they have a Yetzirah. And that's not a good thing that you give in to your Taivas. No one is saying that a person should be vain. But at the end of the day, we have a goof. And don't look at the goof as an enemy of the neshama. That's not the correct way of looking at things. You have to view the goof as a shutuf with the neshama. The goof is not the enemy. I made the goof. I made the goof There's a godliness to the goof itself. And the neshama is not supposed to be at odds with the guf. The neshama is supposed to convert the guf to the Avedis Hashem. That the guf itself should be a clay, shares, of the Rabbeinu Shalom. That's what I want. The Rabbeinu Shalom wants us to make our guf Kaddish. He doesn't want that the guf should be the enemy. The guf should be befriended by the neshama. And the neshama should elevate the guf to the highest form and that's what these women did these women took this instrument of vanity which is pashtas just for the Eitzahara just for taivas, just for beauty and they were mekayim a mitzvah with it they were able to be ma'ayrer their husbands to be mekayim the kiyam of Klal Yisrael the entire perpetuity of the Jewish nation was because of these mirrors because of the guf they were able to take something which was the Sahara's tool and change it and transfer it and elevate it into a klishares they use their body for holiness and that ultimately is the greatest thing that a person can do that is the tachlis of Adam in this world to make the guf into a neshama, to elevate the guf, to make it holy, and to convert the Sahara into a Yetzirah Taiv. The Gemara in Brachas says, Darshan's a Pasuk, it's a Mishnah in Brachas, it says, Hashem What's the, You don't have two hearts, you have one heart. And the Mishnah says, B'shnei Yetzirah Taiv of Yetzirah 
So Yetzir Atayv, I understand how I should serve Hashem with my Yetzir Atayv. How do you serve the Rebbein Hashem with the Yetzir Atayv? I thought, it's the enemy. The Tarot says that the trick of life, the whole point of life is to take your Yetzir and to uplift it and make it into a holy force. To make it a Yetzir Atayv. To take the Yetzirah and to uplift it and use that energy, use the passion of the Yetzirah into a force of good. There's a Gemara in Kedushin that says, Ki When you bump into this Menubal, this disgusting Yetzirah, schlep it into the base Medrash. And everybody asks, why do you have to schlep it into the base Medrash? Can't you just leave it outside, like by the bulletin boards over there? Why do you have to bring it in? What's the point of bringing a Yetzirah into the base Medrash? And the Territ says that the Yetzirah is uh, the most potent force in life. It's Baltashchis to waste the Yetzirah. Take your Yetzirah and uplift it and make, try to see, try to utilize the passion that we have for a positive drive. Make it a mitzvah. Use it properly. Use that, all of that energy in a positive way to uplift it for the Rabbi Nishalayim. That's the point of life. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky in his Sefer and Emes Liyakov, in a few places there in the Sefer, he says a great vart. He says, this is the difference between a Yid and a guy. A guy has, a, has no understanding of what we're talking about today. A guy thinks... Sort of like the first shita that we felt, that before Maishra Rabbeinu was told by the Rabbeinu Shalom, the true Ashkafa Satira, a guy thinks sort of that way, that there's a guf and there's a neshama, and marry the two shall meet, you have to completely separate the guf and the neshama. That's why Rabbi Yaakov says, you know, Galochim, priests, they are not allowed to get married, right? They have to take these vows of abstinency, and they have to take vows of achreis, of, you know, all these types of vows to be perished for my own hazard, like they do it. But officially, that's what they're supposed to do. Why? Because a guy can't understand how is it shayach for a, a regular person like me to be godly. It's not possible. I'm a person that has kaibis. I, 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 I do this, this mice, that mice, and this mice, and that mice. It's not shayach for me to be a godly. The godly people amongst us, they have to be completely perish. They, ha- they can't have a wife. They can't eat certain things. They can't go so- certain places. They have to be just holy. They have to be parish and gansen. That's it. A yid, says Rabbi Yaakov, believes the exact opposite. A yid believes that, I mean, look at, look at, look at our Gedalim. Anyone, you pick a gadol. From Moshe Rabbeinu to Aaron Akayin, the holiest men. To down to our day and age, the stipler, to Rav Shach, to, to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, to Rav Yashiv, to, they all were married. They all had wives, they all had children, they had families. They were regular, functional human beings. So what's the difference? The difference is they took their humanity. They took the physical nature that they had and they uplifted it to the Rabbinishraelim. That's the most holiest endeavor in the world. Not to completely deprive oneself of physical pleasure. Have physical pleasure, but be makadish to physical pleasure. Make sure that whatever we're doing is holy. If a person can do that, that is the ultimate gift to the Rabbi Because you're taking everything that you want 
and you're catapulting it to the Rabbani Shalom. You're saying, this is all yours. I'm taking my physical plan, but I'm not doing it just because I'm about Taiva. I'm doing it to give it to you, Rabbani Shalom. This is yours. And that, says Rabbi Yaakov, is what makes a Yid a Yid. He brings a lot of rias, this unbelievable rias. We don't have time for all of them today. He says, the Mashal, that's why a guy, if a guy dedicates a carbon to the Beis HaMikdash, it's always an Ayla. You can't take a shlum. you can't make a carbon of a guy a shlamim. Why? Because a shlamim, a guy doesn't understand a shlamim. A guy understands an ayla. You bring an animal to the Beis HaMikdash, it's cool, like coal, it's completely burned up, sent to Shemayim, and that's it. No pleasure could be had. I should eat a carbon. Me, my physical body, I'm gonna, I'm me, you know, my, uh, my lowly self should have holy sacrifice in it. It's impossible. You have to completely burn it, give it to Shemayim, but it's not shy up to a human being. A Yid believes there's a Shlomim. You can actually eat from Bistar Kachim. How's it possible? Because a Yid believes that the physical could be uplifted to a holy matter. That's exactly what the Ashkafas is for a Yid. The Maris HaTzayvais were so chavav to the Rabbi because the Rabbi Shalom saw that these women were able to take their Yitzhahara, to take the physical guf and to make it Nishamadif, to make it holy, to make it uplifted, to use it, to channel it for a mitzvah, for Kal Yisrael. We're here today because of those Maris HaTzayvahs. It wasn't a terrible thing. It wasn't something that should be discussed. We're here today because of the ability that a B'nai Yisrael had to take their physical beauty, and to utilize it for L'Tzarech Kabayim. That's why we're here today. And that is what the Rabbi Nisham sees as the ultimate Kli Shares in the Beis HaMikdash to be used for the holiest Abaydas. Because that's the Tachlis of our Abaydah. There's a Gemara in Nidarim. The Gemara in Nidarim says that Shimonat Sadik Kayengadol he never would eat from the carbonus of a Nazir. Whenever a Nazir would bring his carbon at the end of the, the end of his Yemen Nazirus, he always felt that there was a reason he didn't want to eat from it. Maybe because a Nazir is Nikar Rasha, or maybe because, uh, the intent of why he was Makabal Nazirus on himself wasn't appropriate, it wasn't the right thing. The Gemara has, has the Gemara discusses what exactly his hesitation was. But Shimon HaSadik never ever ate from any carbonus of a Nazir, period. Except once. There was once a very good looking young man that came to the Beis HaMikdash to Shimon HaSadik and says, I have to bring a carbon. He says, why? Why were you on yourself Naziris? You're such a, a handsome young man. You have beautiful hair. You have wavy, beautiful hair. Why do you want to, why are you macabre Naziris that at the end of the Naziris you have to shave off all this beautiful hair? Why? And this young man said to him that I was a shepherd in Ashkelon for my father's flock. And one time my father said, you know, the sheep are thirsty. Go take the sheep to a, to a well, to a river and give it to drink. Give them to drink. So I went to the river and as I was, you know, pouring, going 
with my face over the reflection of the water, I noticed myself. I noticed my appearance. And I said, wow, you're a good-looking guy. And I started thinking, my Yetzirah started like getting the better of me and started to try to convince me to use my beauty to go and do Averis, Kiyadua. And at that time, says this, says this to be Nazir, he says, Niskabra la Yitzri, I wanted to do it. I wanted to listen to my Yetzirah. And he wanted to take me away from the world, from Elam Haba, some of the Mepharshim say, So Amarti Loi, I said to him, Rasha, I looked at my reflection in the mirror, and I said to myself, You're a Rasha, why are you trying to be Miskaya? Why are you trying to have Gaiva and to be conceited in a world that's not yours? Someday this beautiful face is going to be in the grave and it's going to be consumed by Rima Visailaya. I must be Megaleach, my hair, my beauty, give it up to the Rabbi Hashem, make it a Nazir. Shimon Atzadik took his face, took this Nazir's head, and he kissed it. Amarti Loi, and he said to him, "Bini kamoicha yerbu nizrei nizirei spiyasel halavai." All Nazir should be like you. Alecha kasevaymer ish kiyafli lindar neder Nazir lahazir lahashem. This is a Naziris that I could eat such a carbon from. I have no qualms that this is a kosher Naziris. This is a Nazir lahazir lahashem. You're a real Nazir. You're a Nazir Lamahadrin. And the question is why? What, what was so special about this Nazir? And the answer, I believe, is what we're saying today. That a person, when he looks in a mirror, the first thing that he sees is goof. And you're impressed by the beauty. And the Sahara wants to use that mirror as a vehicle to take you out of this world, to use the goof. To use the Sahara to have a geshmat from this world with your goof, and just the goof, not the neshama, that neshama keeping away. I want to just focus on the goof. But when a person is able to look a little deeper into the mirror, look at beyond the panim, beyond the face, into the pnim, into the pnimius of myself, and say, wait a minute. My goof is not my goof alone. What's my goof without the neshama? The goof is just a temporary being that's going to be here a couple of years in this world and then decompose. My real goof has to be Lashamayim. I have to be Makadish my goof. I have to make my goof holy. I have to be Mishtatev, the goof with the neshama. Nazir lahazir lahashem. That's what a nazir is. A real nazir is somebody that takes his goof and says, I want to channel that to Kedusha. I want to make it holy. I want to bring it to Shamayim. I want to dedicate my beauty to the Rabbi Shloilam. That is a Nazir Lahazir Lashem. That's the Maila of a true Nazir in the world. And that's the point that we all have to try to make ourselves into a 
We ourselves have to make our guf into a mishkan to serve the neshama and to use our guf itself, the Yitzhahara itself, to make that, find a way to use that lataiv. That's the point of the yid. I want to read to you, it might be, take a few minutes, you'll be me, but there's a, a poem that was written by the Chidusha Arim. The Chidusha Arim was the Ger Rebbe. And the Ger Rebbe was, besides for being a Rebbe, sometimes, you know, people think that he's a Rebbe, he, you know, he arshin this, this, this throne of Malah, of Chasidos, of the Rebbe, you know, but he, he wasn't a Tamukhacham, you know, he's a, you know, I mean, he's a, probably a regular Yid that just happened to walk out, and he, you know, he, his father was a Rebbe, so he's a Rebbe, and that's it. The Chidusha Arim, was somebody that all the G'dayla Yisrael said that he was the God of Yisrael. He was Mamish, the, the, one of the biggest G'dayla Yitzhah in the world. Besides being a rabbi, you have, like, uh, you know, the Satmarov also. The Satmarov, if his name was Goldberg and he lived in, you know, in, in Passaic, his, he would be the God of Adar also. He wasn't just be, he happened to have been the rabbi. But, uh, he was, you know, there are certain rabbi, the Svasemes, Chedusha Arim, uh, the Sama Rebbe, the vision of the Rebbe, Zechitzadah was just Nifta. If you read about him, you see that he was a Rosh Hashiva before he was a Rebbe. These were not, these are not simple people. These are great people. The Chidusha Rim was the God Adar, the world acknowledged God Adar besides for being the Rebbe. He wrote a poem, which I found in the back of some obscure Sefer. I don't think it's well known at all. I don't know, maybe if you ask the Gerach maybe they would know about it. But this is a poem that he wrote. And what it basically is, the Hebrew way that he calls it is Vikuah Hayetzer Im Adam. The debate that exists between Yetzahara and man. And it's a back and forth of a man looking at himself in the mirror, what the Yetzahara tells him, what the Yetzahara is saying after that to himself, and how a typish response to this Yetzirah versus a Chacham, how he would respond to the Yetzirah. It's a little long. We have a few minutes. I'm going to, I translate it into English, in rhyme. If you don't like poetry, you're, you're welcome to leave. But it's, uh, it's, and if, if the, and if the, if the rhyme isn't so great, you'll be Michael me. It's my fault. It's not the Fiduciarim's fault. I would read it in Hebrew, but it, it's a little bit more difficult to understand. Okay, this is how it starts. This is the evil inclinations, words to man. Behold the shiny mirror is drawing you nearer. Come now and see your splendor and beauty. Like doves by the river of water, rivers of water are your eyes so elite. Use them to look down at others with conceit. So impeccable are your wavy locks of hair. How handsome. Oh, how people stare. Your lot in life is so blessed. Hashem has filled you with only the best. A charming manner and generous eye to your friends you eagerly supply. Come now, my son. Come. Should strangers derive pleasure from your appearance and you get none? You too 
Take in your magnificent grace. Happiness and joy should fill your face. Young man, make your heart merry during these youthful years. Rejoice, young man, in your adolescent. Young man, make your heart merry during these youthful days. Rejoice, young man, in your adolescent phase. Before the bad times arrive, bitter as gall, your soul is still within. Your spirit has not yet had its fall. An opportune matter, how fine, befitting a man like you in his prime. That was the first phase. The first phase of the Sahara as a person's looking in that mirror. You know, the Sahara starts whispering in your ear. You know, you're ever about this. You're young, you're handsome, you're good looking, you're robust. Use your years now. Are you waiting until you're 90 years old? Use life. Now here's the second phase. This is the Sahara talking to himself. What do you think the Yitzhara, we look at the Yitzhara as like uh, this devil, this red guy with a pitchfork and a big tail, and, you know, really like an evil, sinister fellow. It's not true. The Yitzhara is really a malach. His job just happens to be to drive us off the derech, to put Nisianus in our way. But he's really a malach. He doesn't want us. He's hoping, he's davening for us that we don't listen to him. This is the Yitzhara talking to himself. I wish his neck, meaning the person, his, his victim, I wish his neck would be iron and how, how great would it be if bronze was his brow. Then he would not notice when I entice. Never would he heed my advice. How much better it would be for his part if Hashem's Torah was etched on his heart. But what can I do? My maker has ordered me not to forsake my vocational duty. I was created to ambush my prey, causing them from the straight path to stray. Superb in the eyes of Hashem is it to escape from me, even flee. But that is not what the impulsive fool does. Instead, he appoints me his trustee to administer all of his cash. Whatever I want, I get in a flash. For the mind of the crooked acts so rash. That's the second phase. So that now we know the Ashtafa of the Yitzhahara. Fascinating. We think the Yitzhahara, you know, is really luring us and he wants us to, to be the He doesn't. Now, here's the response of the fool who listens to the Yitzhahara. My inner father's words are so true, I should perceive my celebrity. Suddenly my soul is filled with ecstasy. Had I gotten to know you sooner, more attention to my appearance I would have paid. My eyes would have been painted with a proper eye shade. Behold, my likeness resembles the angel's face. Who knows, maybe from them my roots even trace. In my lifetime, I'm determined to be happy and satisfied. To your words I will heed my father inside. From your path I will not veer. To the right, to the right, or to the left. For your counsel I find particularly deft. Accept me as a father does his son, even though I have so far just sampled your opinion. Enlighten my eyes for your statements I have heard. Day and night I commit to be attentive to your word. 
Humans on this world, their days are numbered. In the youthful years, should one feel encumbered? If when in his prime he fails to indulge in what the earth cheers, what will he do when he gets old as the day of mourning nears? One more paragraph, if you'll indulge me. There's one more thing. Here comes the Chacham's response to the Eitzahara. Okay, you with me so far? Are you Israel's mischief maker with your alluring strategy? As a torrent you wish to drown humanity. You favor no one, you are partial to no man. With your silver tongue you conceal your diabolical plan. A deceptive tongue will the truth hide. You dress so magnificently nobody realizes you've lied. You steal people's hearts with your deception. From the straight path to the winding road they suddenly shift direction. To abandon the source of fresh water you compel. To dig up instead the broken well. Your net is upon all humans hurled. Traps are set to ensnare the world. Into the traps fall the upright people to be consumed. With your smooth heart-to-heart talks, they are doomed. As a friend and brother you are considered to them, but with your evil heart you will cause mayhem. Pushing them into the pit never to arise, few are those who enjoy life's prize. Afterwards their mouths in punishment are filled with gravel, led to the slaughter much like cattle. In the land of gloom and darkness they travel from a bird's eye view. It appears as if the snare was one of virtue, that the net was cast in order to give him food. But this was not so, for blood he was wooed. The charlatan is considered genuine, he's so misconstrued. Yes, you speak words to enthrall, but in your heart a bitter root grows of wormwood and gall. Come now and debate, let's see your mouth fabricate. Speak to me with sweetness, the way you can. Mere mortals who at the blink of an eye are gone. You wish to shove me off my righteous way. From my upright journey, you keep me at bay. Such sinful indulgence, you expect me to repay my creator by whom I was natured from inception from my mother's womb. That's the Chidusha Rim. This is not Stam poetry. This is Chidusha Rim's Musr Shmuz. And the Chidusha Rim is basically telling us what happens when we look in a mirror? It's so easy to fall into the trap of the Sahara and to be consumed by our physical. But the true mission of man in life is to talk back to the Sahara, much like the Nazir from Ashkelon did, and say to the Sahara, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to divorce my neshama for my guf and pretend as if there is no neshama and I'm only guf. I'm going to use my guf. Yes. But I'm going to do it with tithe. Whatever I do when I eat and when I drink, everything is going to be in Abedis Hashem. That's the maila of Yid. And that's what we learn from this week's parasha. There's a medrash in the Yikarabo the Medrash says that Hillel Azakin was once giving a shear, and after the shear was over, his Talmidim were following him, and they were talking and learning, and he says, Rabbi Say, sorry, I got to run. So they said, Rabbi, where are you running? So I'm going to do a mitzvah. Ooh, maybe we could join you? No, you can't join me for this one. Why? What, what mitzvah are you doing? He says, I'm going to take a shower. Going to take a shower. 
Going to take a shower, is that a mitzvah? The Talmudim has says 100% it's a mitzvah. He says, where is, the, where is this stated in the Torah? He says, listen. He says, sometimes you have a king who has like royal gardens. And in the royal gardens, there are statues of the king. And, you know, the pigeons land on, the, on these statues and they get them dirty. And there's somebody that's paid a lot of money to go and to keep these statues clean because it doesn't pass that these statues of the king should be full of, 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 of stuff on it. So this person gets paid to clean off the goof, to clean off the statue which represents the king. He says, Adam is also Nivra B'Tzalem Elikim, our goof is the embodiment, as it were, of the Rabbani Shalom's surah, whatever that means. The Rabbani Shalom has no goof, of course. But we are Nivra B'Tzalem Elikim. And so when we take a shower, what we're really doing is we're doing a mitzvah of serving the Rabbeinu Shalom. We are keeping our bodies clean. We are representatives of the Rabbeinu Shalom's surah. And when we take a shower, that's a mitzvah, says Hilazakim. What's the pshat? The pshat is that a guf is really something holy. It's a tzalem alikim. It's not chayl. It's not the, the etzahara. We think it is. But it's really holy. And that's our job to have the eyes to see the kedusha in our guf. And I believe, just to sum up the shmuz, that it makes very good sense why Dafka the Kiyar of all the Kalim and the Mishkan was used for, was created by these mirrors, by these Maris Hatsaibas. Because of what we're saying is true, that the mirrors represent this concept of taking the Guf and being Makadishit, making the Guf holy, making the Guf elevated to be a Kli Shares for the Rabbi Shams Abaydah. Isn't that the tachlis of the kiyar? Isn't the whole point of the kiyar to wash your hands and to wash your feet, to wash your guf, the guf which could be perceived or misconceived as being something of Yetzirah, something Gashmiistic. But when we wash it, what we're really doing is we're being Makadishit. If you look in Parashas Kisisa, last week's Parsha, it says, V'yasisa kiyar necheshes v'chanei necheshes l'rochza. To wash yourself. And you know what the Targum says in the word l'rochza? The Targum says, l'kapsha. To be mekadishit. L'rochza doesn't mean just simply for the purpose of cleaning. It's not for the purpose of sanitary reasons. Oh, you have to be sanitary. You need your Purell. You know, you need your you need your your soap and your water. That's not what it was. It was to sanctify the body. The cleanliness of the body was not for the body. It was for the soul. It was to be makadish to make your guf holy. That's how the Ramban. That's how the Ramban touches it up. He says that's why you're supposed to wash your hands before davening. Also, not just because oh your hands might be dirty. You have to sanctify yourself before the Rabbi Shalom. Sanctify your guf. Make your guf a holy clay kibol for the Rabbi Nishalem. Isn't it beautiful that that's why the kia of all kalim was made by these mirrors that represent the guf, the potential for the guf to be perceived as just merely a guf,
but the ability of a year to see deeper and to see that the guf is really an neshama and that the guf has to be uplifted together with the neshama towards the Rabbi Nishalom. I once had a Rebbe, I always have a Rebbe, but my Rebbe once said, I should say, that he used to say of art that the Rambam, if you look in the Rambam in, in, in Hilchas Beisa Bechira, I'm sorry, in Hilchas, uh, in Hilchas Klea Mikdash, in Hilchas Klea Mikdash, the Rambam doesn't only speak about all of the kalim of the Mikdash. He does. He speaks about the, you know, all the kalim that were in the, in the Mishkan, in the Mikdash. But then he also speaks about the halachas of the kaihanim that work in the Mikdash. He speaks about the dinim, what, what the criteria are of a kain gadol, of a kain hedged, all the different things about kahuna. He also throws into those halachas of Hilchas Kliya Mikdash. So my Rebbe wanted to say of Shmuel Deitch, the Talmud Mubakar of Shach. He says that he always wanted, he had such a taiva to say of art, that the Hilchas Kliya Mikdash, you put the kain in. You know why? Because the kaihanim are also Kliya Mikdash. One of the Kleya Mikdash is the Kayhanim Alein. The Kayhanim themselves are also, you have the, the Menaira, you have the Mizbeach, you have the Aran, you have, you have the Kiar and the Ka, everything, and the Kayhanim. Kayhanim, they might be physical, but they're also Klei Kaidish. He says, I always wanted to say that Vard until the Franco Rambam had to come and ruin it. Because if you look at the Franco Rambam, you know, they did research and they were, they, they got it right. And if you look in the Franco Rambam of Hilchas Klea Mikdash, it's really the real title is Hilchas Klea Mikdash Vel Eivdimbay. Klea Mikdash and those that work in the Mikdash. So that ruined his Vart. But the, the Vart has been Kaimai Medes. The Vart is still a Vart. The Kaihanim were not just merely physical people running around and doing Aveda. The, the Kaihanim were Klea Mikdash. We're all Klea Mikdash, Rabbi Say. We are all holy. Our neshamas are holy and our gufs are holy and our mission must be holy. And we have to take the neshama with the guf and serve the Rabbi Nishlam together. And when we're tempted by taivas and yetzaharas, that's normal. But what's not normal, what's superhuman and what's Yiddish is to be able to look deeper and to not give in right away to the instant taiva of the yetzahara but to think a second. And to understand, like the Chiddush Arim says, that the Yitzhar really wants you not to listen. And that the real purpose why you have the Yitzhar is to give you the Nisayan, you get schar from that, but then to say no. To say, I'm going to use my guf, but I'm going to use my guf properly. I'm going to use my guf in a healthy way. Baruch Hashem, the halachas, the Shulchan Aruch, gives us plenty of leeway to eat and to drink and to do all the tzrachah guf. But we have to do it in a kosher ayfen. We have to be Makadish our guf and make them into clay, clay amikdash. Make them into holy receptacles for the neshama so that the neshama and the guf together can serve the Rabbi Hashem. That's what a yid believes and that's what the Maris had said.